Hello. Welcome to North Coast Calvary Chapel's audio podcast. I want to share just a little bit of my heart with you, kind of a coach's talk as, as we go into this time together. But first, let me say, if you ever want to just send a big thank you to our film crew here that does this every week, uh, just send it to Abby at northcoastcalvary.org and we'll make sure that they get all the kudos that they need because we're here every week for you. And by the way, it could be that you think because we're not meeting together in the building that somehow we're not ministering. But I want you to know that things are almost double time of all that we're doing. We're meeting on campus, but we're also filming and all the devotions and all the different ministries that are going online. At any rate, I think thank yous are wonderful to give to our film crew. But what I wanted to share with you today is just my heart. Uh, this is a crazy world we're living in, right? Uh, we've been in this for six months and we've got apparently a ways to go. I'm hoping things ease up. I'm hoping that things open up, but we're, we're trying to find our way. And as we go through this crazy world, it seems to me that when you have a hammer, everything's a nail. Everybody's walking around with their big hammers uh, and th their issue is their issue. And it just seems a little loud and crazy right now. So I'm trying to stay focused on Jesus and what the real issue is supposed to be. And it brings me back to Jesus, where Jesus says to you and I, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Uh, and he gives us this idea that he's given us the baton to change the world. That is, he changes us, we change the world. He loves us, we love the world, transform people, transforming our world. And this brings me to my coach's talk. I'm so proud of you. I think you're doing it. We're not, you're not, we're not angels, we're not perfect, but I think you're doing it. Let me just share with you some of the things that are going on right now. First of all, uh, thousands of people are being impacted every week through these online messages, not just locally, but different people in different parts of the country and around the world because this is now digitally online. And the daily devotions, uh, the daily hope, you have given me so much feedback about how good they are for you. Uh, but there's other things that are going on besides the over 400 people that are meeting weekly on campus for this raw kind of Jesus movement kind of feel of, I just need Jesus. I'm hungry for Jesus uh, that we, we enjoy at the gathering on Sunday mornings. You guys have given over $150,000 through the benevolent fund to people in our church who have been impacted through unemployment and other things due to the COVID virus. That's awesome. In addition, you've given over $50,000 through the emergency relief fund that goes out beyond the borders of our church into our community. And you have done that. Besides that, I've had many of you tell me the personal choices that you're making to change your own life. That is, you've decided 
that you're going to become more a person of prayer or you're focusing more on your family. Some of you have told me you're focusing on your yard and some of you have even mentioned you're focusing on your belt buckle and you're losing weight or you're doing all kinds of things. I think that's awesome that we're reclaiming who God has really called us to be. We're to be the church, transform, transforming our world. Now, just briefly, let's look ahead. Where do we go? We're coming into the fall season. Um, I want to share with you that I want to have a compassion on you. Our homeostasis, our personal balance has been just thrown off kilt. And some of us are struggling. And I have compassion on you because we've all felt that. So that being said, if you need help counseling, if you need help financially, if you need help uh, through prayer, we want to be there for you. We also have a financial peace class that's coming up in September. And that might help you as you reorganize your finances. And then as we go beyond that, Keep doing what you're doing. The daily devotions. Spiritual life is a bit like exercise. That there's a a lot of things bombarding us. And we have to stay focused with who we are. Hearing from God. And then I want to give you some opportunities. Of what you can do. As you move beyond just your own self. We have a food drive coming up in September. That'll be uh, September, Joseph, what is that? September 10th. And then we have one also in October. Joseph? October 8th. 8th. Great. I love the community support that's going on here. Uh, We have some community impact opportunities, emergency relief fund opportunity. And even now with schools starting up in quasi ways, we have a school supply drive going on. And then get creative. Uh, Think of a friend that needs a phone call, needs a text. Think of a neighbor who needs some groceries delivered to them. Uh, Maybe you bring them some cookies. Uh, If you know any medical frontline people, drop them a note. It's all the ways that we can be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community. And then finally, don't forget to give. You guys are supporting us during this time, and it's been awesome, but we need your financial gifts, and thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you are doing. Let me give you this quote straight from me. We are designed to be like God, and we are most like God when we sacrificially love others. So keep doing it, you guys. Pep talk as we go into this fall season. We're in our series in the book of Acts, be the church, not do church, not play church, but let's be the church. And I want to fast forward all the way in to the end of the book of Acts, chapters 27 and 28, where we see the apostle Paul on this incredible journey, this adventure on a ship. And I love this part of the book of Acts, but this very passage came to me on a walk one morning on the beach. I was thinking about this COVID virus season we're in, and I was thinking about the strange 
dilemma that we find ourselves in as the church. And we are on the same boat as everybody else on this entire planet. Eight billion people on the same boat going through the same crisis. I was talking to some pastor friends of mine. Uh, We were on a Zoom call from around the world, South Africa, Asia, including India, in West, or yeah, that'd be East uh, Asia, and, and Australia, you know, the whole world, Europe, America, and I'm finding every pastor all around the world is going through the same thing we're going through. We're on the same boat. We're on the same boat as the people that you work with. We're on the same boat as the people in the school, on and on and on. But we're uniquely Christian. And how do we do this thing where we're different, but we're on the same boat? So Paul actually models for you and I how we can manage our lives during this season. So let's go there together. Let me read the passage that I want to focus on, and then I'll tell you the story and bring some conclusions out of that. In verse 9 of chapter 27, it says, Much time had been lost. Sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the day of atonement. So we're at the end of September, the beginning of October. So Paul warned them, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous. Apparently the spirit had spoken to Paul and he was prophetically warning them because he's different. And bring, there's going to, it's going to be disastrous and bring great loss to the ship and the cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, the soldier who's in charge of guarding Paul, not the captain, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot, that is the captain of the ship and of the owner of the ship. And since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that they would sail on hoping to reach the town of Phoenix and winter there. So they're on the base of the Island of Crete and they're going to try to sail around to the North side of the Island of Crete to winter there. And, and so they set sail. This was a Harbor in Crete facing both Southwest and Northwest. After they'd gone a long time, Jumping down to verse 21, they they meet this huge storm that has gale force winds, hurricane force winds. So can you imagine 70 mile an hour winds minimum coming down at them from the Northeast? Those of you that have lived in in the Northeast of America, you know what a Nor'easter is like. So this is a Nor'easter. And these gale force winds take them on a 14 day journey across the Mediterranean Sea. So they're without food. They're, they're without hope. They can't even see the stars at night. They don't know where they are in the Mediterranean. Paul stands up in verse 21 before them. And he says, men, you should have taken my advice. Sounds like mother, right? You should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have been spared from this damage and loss. But now 
I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of God to whom I belong, whom I serve, stood beside me. Notice he's with the people on the ship, but he's differentiating himself at the same time. He's a Christian. He's hearing from God. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So that's what the angel says. So now Paul speaks to them. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. He doesn't know what this island is, but he's seen it uh, through the angel. So there it is. Now, the one thing I need to add to this Later on, as they're coming to the island, there's some sailors that think they're going to separate themselves from the rest of the people on the boat. And so they try to sneak off the ship with some uh, smaller boats and the centurion catches them. And Paul says, unless we all stay together, we won't survive. And so they cut the ropes of those smaller boats and the ship runs aground, and they all survive on the island. So what a great picture of we're on the same boat, but we're uniquely, as Christians, following God and trying to bring leadership to everyone, including our neighbors, on the boat. It's what we were talking about before. We're being transformed, and now we're reaching out to our community to transform our world. So what I'm seeing here in this amazing story is, first of all, that everything is different, that that they're traveling for different reasons. Paul is traveling because he's on his way to give testimony before Caesar as to why he's a Christian. And he's traveling all the way. He's left Jerusalem. He went to Caesarea on the coast of Israel, up to Sidon, and now having traveled uh, along the coast of of Crete and uh, Turkey, he's now been for 14 days over the ocean, and he's going to end up on the island of Malta on his way to Italy. He's traveling for a Christian reason. The the sailors are traveling because that's just what they do for a living. The people that are transporting the cargo are traveling because they're mercenaries. They're going to make money over the cargo. The centurion's traveling because he's supposed to keep guard over Paul and the other soldiers. And there's a handful of Christians who love Paul and they're traveling with Paul. They're all traveling on the same boat for different reasons. They have different destinations in mind. Paul's already jumped one ship to get on another ship uh, to go to Italy. The ships in, in the Mediterranean were like buses. They would get off of one and go on to another and they'd have to sometimes wait days or weeks for the next ship to come along. So they have different destinations. And just like today, they have different worldviews. Most of the people on the ship are pagans. 
They worship this God. They worship that God. They're doing this. They're doing that. Just like this period we're in, people having different worldviews. And every reason to separate themselves from each other. Just like in the end of the story where some of the sailors try to escape just protecting their own skin. So it's easy for us because we have different everything to separate ourselves from each other. And largely you see us doing that. That's why I said earlier, when you got a hammer, everything's a nail and everybody's looking out for their own thing. And it's not the best part of anyone and or anyone's humanity. So we're on this planet together, but sometimes we Christians have done the same thing, separating ourselves from everybody else on the boat. There's a part of Christianity that I discovered long ago that I'm not particularly a fan of, but it's a part of our evangelical history. The best part of our evangelical history I think is where we're running in to help in the answer. When uh, Wilberforce stopped slave trade, when uh, evangelicals in the 19th century were revamping hospitals, starting hospitals, uh, when Christians were revamping the prison system, we were running in to be the agents of change because we saw Jesus in his incarnation come to this earth to change the world. And we saw that as our mandate to run into the world to bring transformation. But there's also been a side of our Christianity where we've been kind of, in the words of some scholars, we've been escapist. You have your own problems, but you're going to burn in hell. I'm going to get out of here. I'm escaping. I'm going to heaven. And it's not been the prettiest part of us. And it has felt that way sometimes a little bit. Lately, where we have been clamoring, we want to have our worship services. We want to be together. We want to be gathering. But so do all the bars. So do all the the other people, everybody. So we've wanted to just say, we are going to break rank with government and we're just going to meet without masks, indoors, in gathering, And I have read online what people, what neighbors have said about those Christians who've tried or have done that. And it's not pretty because it's it's a way of saying, I don't really give a lick about my neighbor. I'm looking for me and what I want to do and what I need. And I have great compassion for Christians who have broken rank in this way, because we all need to gather. We all need that. But we're on the same boat as everyone else. And we not only need to worship Christ, we also need to love our neighbor as ourself. We don't get to just do one without the other. We can't say that's my nail and here's my hammer. We have to figure out, How do we reflect Christ to everybody else on the boat? So now that I've made you uncomfortable, let's read on and see what else the story has to say. 
So they're in the same boat. Everything's in common. They're experiencing the same storm. They need the same compassion. But in the midst of that, Paul becomes a leader to take them through the storm. He almost, you might say, becomes the captain to lead them not only to a heavenly salvation, but a temporary salvation as well. In the story, Paul's not agreeing with the decision of the leaders. He had suggested to the centurion and to the pilot, the captain of the ship, we shouldn't be sailing. They disregarded his wisdom and they made a bad decision. And I've thought through the decisions that our government has made. Some have been amazing, some not so amazing. The CDC, some amazing, maybe not so amazing. And, and here we find ourselves. Paul doesn't stay there. He just mentions, you didn't make the best decision, but now that we are here and now that we are in the same boat, he leans in. And as I said before, this is the core of Christianity. Doing what Jesus did for God so loved the world that he came. He didn't escape. He didn't do his own thing. He came. Got his head sturdy for you and me. He came, became a Jew. He, he studied and learned Hebrew, spoke Aramaic spoke Greek. He ate the same food. He came onto the same boat as humanity. And we got to get this in our heads that this is what we are called to do. Every single one of us are missionaries to our neighbors. How do we do that? You know, I've admired so many missionaries that I have known or are still active in how they built their whole life around moving to another part of the world, learning another language, leather culture, different tastes for different food on and on building trust. I'm thinking, wow, that's amazing. And parents, you have done the same thing with your children. It'd really be easy to say, I, See you later. When you're an adult, let's have a conversation. But you got to enter into a two-year-old's life, a four-year-old, an eight-year-old, a 16-year-old. You're a missionary to your children. And in this season, we are missionaries to everybody around us. And they are watching us. How do we, as Christians, steer through this COVID virus? So Jesus modeled it for us. And I think we can take the tact of we want heaven. We want the ultimate hope of being in the presence of God. But we can include in that we want to come out of this with optimal survival for the most people on this ship together. And how do we do that? You know, church history has shown us Christians doing this time and time again. You're with me, right? You haven't left me. Hang in there. We're almost there. N.T. Wright recently wrote a book about we Christians in this pandemic. You ought to pick it up. 
Uh, and he quotes from Rodney Stark, who's this great uh, historian who wrote the book, The Rise of Christianity. And he points out that we Christians are not new to this. In 170 AD, 250 AD, 380 AD, there were plagues that came upon the Roman Empire, scads of people dying. And what did the Christians do? They didn't go off on a hill to hide or go off and, and only have their worship service, but they ran into the fire. They were the ones risking their lives, caring for the sick. They were the ones coming up with food to feed the people, helping everybody on the ship. In fact, they did such a good job of this that it, it's written about the 380 uh, uh, AD plague that the Roman emperor wanted to reverse the decision of Constantine and make Rome, making Rome and Christian empire. He tried to reverse it and make it a pagan empire again. And you know what he says was so hard. His name is, is actually Julius, not Julius Caesar as we know him, but his name was Julius. He said, what makes it so hard is the Christians are doing such a good job of loving everyone in the midst of this plague. Martin Luther in, in the era of the reformation, 1520, he says, this is the way we handle this plague. And let me quote from him. He says, I pray to God that he would be gracious to us and to our neighbors to preserve us in this plague. I secondly, I fumigate my, the rooms I go into. That's how they thought they could kill the plague. He says, I avoid places. There's distancing uh, where people who have been sick uh, have been, but then he says, um, I dare to care for the sick because I want to be a witness for Christ. He thinks about his neighbor. Finally, Richard Baxter, a Puritan. This is now on our soil in the 1600s. There was a plague here in New England and he writes about it as well. And he actually had the dilemma. The, the civic magistrates said, don't meet Christians for right now uh, in public gatherings because you're going to spread the disease. And he had a decision to make as a pastor and he advised his followers this is an appropriate thing that we should do. We should obey the magistrates uh, that we not spread the disease because we're on the same boat. We can't just think of ourselves, but he goes ahead and talks about risking our lives for our neighbor. So let me bring this to a conclusion. We're in this dilemma, but we have a bigger hope than just surviving COVID. We have this phenomenal eternal hope. And it's not just a new heaven. It's a new earth. 
It's a new you. It's a new everything. And God is working in all these places. He's working in your heart and life. He's proving you. He's uh, uh, in, in this testing time. He's bringing character into our own lives personally. He's pushing us out into our neighborhoods, thinking about how we can love our neighbor and model Christ to them. And he's reminding us that our ultimate destination is different. It's beyond what everybody else is that's on this boat. So what do we do? Here's where the rubber meets the road. Number one, don't jump ship. What do I mean by that? Don't just think of what makes me happy. What do I need? See, we all are doing that, but that's the hammer and the nail. It's not uniquely Christian. It's uniquely human. So don't jump ship. We're on the same boat together. Secondly, let the struggle, the testing, do its perfect work in you. Uh, Let the character emerge of the the true you. Thirdly, don't ignore the crisis or call it just everybody's fearful or mock people who have a different perspective than you or I, but recognize that, yeah, we're all in this together. And in that commonality, become a missionary. The way relationships usually build is we start with what we have in common. How's the weather? Kind of muggy, right? How are the Padres doing? We move on from the temporal things to bigger things. How are you doing through this economy, this shutdown? How are you doing in your heart, in your life? How's your family doing? To finally get to how's your soul doing? Build that kind of relationship. Use this as an opportunity. And how are we doing with society in issues of injustice or do we dare how are we doing politically but we are the mission there's no one else we are it this is the plan this is why we're on the ship then i would encourage you reclaim your life who do you want to be when you grow up you'll never have this opportunity again this is the moment to become, to redecide, to read that book, to have that marriage, to uh, get in shape and to get close to Jesus. Learn what it is to walk with him. You know, when you think about living a life that would be godlike for our neighbors, you realize as you go back to the New Testament, it's what the Bible's all about. When Jesus says, inasmuch as you did it to the least of these, Matthew 25, you did it unto me. The parable about the talents, don't bury your talents. But what has God given you to do? What is your sphere of influence? And then finally, live for that bigger hope. We're on the same ship, but we're sailing for a bigger destination. I've looked back at my parents who are sometimes called, were called the great generation. 
And I've asked myself, how did they become great? Because I think the greatness of that generation is their character. And you know how it happened. It, it was the Great Depression and it was World War II. And it forged these people that knew how to go without to become who they were becoming for a greater cause that was bigger than them. And we have been served this opportunity that is not only a once in a lifetime, it's once in a century. This time where God is working in us and our community and and, in this whole planet. And we're going to look back at this, whether it's six months from now or nine months from now, and we're going to ask ourselves, did I waste the opportunity? Did I waste the pain? And I think we'll feel like we wasted it if I just needed to do what I needed to do. Because I know what I need to I need to just go surfing and you probably just need to go shopping and you just need to go to a spa. But that's, that would be a wasting of the moment. Um, at the end of the moment, nine months from now, it'll be, what did he do in my life? It'll be permanent character in you. And what did I do for my neighbor? That'll be permanent. And did I sail for an ultimate hope? So same ship, different destination. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are God and you're sovereign over this whole journey, this whole adventure that we're on. And God, we pray that you would come to us like you came to the Apostle Paul, that you would speak to us like you spoke to the Apostle Paul, that you give us courage to step into the role of leadership and let you do what you want to do in our lives and let you use us to the people around us that are on this same ship that we are on. God, in Paul's story, Everyone survived. They made it to land, but the ship was destroyed. And God, we pray that you would give us the lives of the people around us, uh, that you would spare them from this, uh, this infection, that you would give our government, our CDC wisdom, but that God, you would give us wisdom, how to tangibly love those people around us with the love of Jesus, make us missionaries to this world in this time and give us this great, robust hope that you gave to the apostle Paul that we will survive in Jesus name. Amen. And now may the God of salvation save you in every single way. May God come to you and save your heart and soul and mind in the midst of this pandemic. May he give you peace. May he give you direction. May he give you that balance and that, that centeredness that only comes from the presence of Jesus. And then may God bless 
your relationships, your marriage, your family, the relationships that you have with your friends. And may God give you courage to reach out beyond your comfort zone to bring the love of Christ to those around us. And may God give you and I this big hope, this what scripture calls the anchor of our souls. Isn't that a beautiful ship picture? The anchor of our souls that's going to be thrown off the bow of your ship, that's going to pull you through. That is that we are going to spend eternity with Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit our website, northcoastcalvary.org.